Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Royal Strong and True Podcast. Uh, we are noticeably less pumped to be with you this week as we get to review a BYUL versus Oregon. But we have a lot of fun stuff to talk about after that. We got college football, which is absolutely beautiful. It's a beautiful sport, and we will review it with you. Before we move into the episode, we just want to give a quick shout out to our Instagram and Twitter. Please follow us at Loyal to Royal Pod. If you enjoy the episode, please leave a five star review on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, whatever platform that you are listening to this on, download and share it with your friends. Make sure you're checking our checking out our website at royalstrongandtrue.com. Without further ado, let's get to it. Let's depressingly bool. Hello, darkness, my old Go, Tigers. But that field judge on the far side is in their pocket, man. Go over here, that's right! Let's back this booler. Welcome in listeners to yet another episode of the best pod cast. Number one, baby. Unlike BYU. <laughs> yes. Very different than BYU. We actually deliver week in and week out. Oh, oh ouch, <laughs> A little foreshadowing of what we're going to talk about today and maybe how we feel about it. But first things first, we've got some things to get out of the way. So, start things off by getting, you know, something like a big bottle of bleach for Ooh. some housekeeping and nothing else. Yes. Or are we, not, nothing Very else. pertinent. I nothing like else. I, okay. I, do, I don't bring that up for any particular reason for other Just uses of bleach. Whitening white things. Exactly. Yes. Like, as if BYU needs like any BYU. more. Like <laughs> BYU. <laughs> Alright, so, how about we start the podcast out on a happy note? Let's let's okay. start it on some happy notes. like police. I know you guys can't see this, but just the look, especially on Jared's face, is one of just complete like depression. So also tiredness. We're gonna start this off on a positive note. Uh, I have successfully applied for graduation December twenty twenty two. Hey, that's good news. I that's missed the news. deadline by four days, but oh. I emailed the department and they accepted my application anyway. So very nice. Nice, nice. Very nice. Better late than never. Yeah, just ask Spider-Man. You can always talk to him. Ain't that the truth? I don't know. Sure thing. No one? That. Okay. I mean, I, better late. It's okay. It. I missed it's it. it. I mean, are you, are you referencing right. when he's late to catching his lover falling down the clock tower? Uh, no, that's a little morbid. I thought that's what you were talking <laughs> no, about. No, was like, Spider-Verse oh, when he, like, goodness. messes up the... He, or not in Spider-Verse, in uh, No Way Home when he messes up the universes... All because he didn't know that he could call and ask MIT for a second chance. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, nice. That's what I was going for, but it's okay. Yeah, good it's okay. stuff. Great I stuff. thought you were talking about the dead girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't usually go to dead girlfriends often unless it really calls for it. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Okay. All right, uh, moving on. Yeah, speaking of dead girlfriends, <laughs> the, what new, the new AP poll just dropped <laughs> the other day. Excuse me, what? I don't know how that relates, but... <laughs> because I said both of them in the same sentence. 
It does. <laughs> um, what are the biggest uh, standouts for this week's AP poll for you guys? Yeah, we don't even have to look at the top ten because there was no movement at all except for Kentucky and Oklahoma State switching places. Boring. Which but, can we can we be surprised by the way? No, it's an SEC school. Of course, it's going to move up after. Yeah, SEC is going to move up over the Big Twelve any day. But there was a ton of movement in between eleven and twenty-five. So let's talk a little mm. bit about that. All righty. Um, one big jumper was Oregon. Ooh, I wonder why. The biggest jumper of the week. Up ten spots. Yeah, okay. from 25 to 15. We'll talk about their big win <laughs> later. Yes, yes we will. Yeah. Um, other things that are completely mind-boggling. Uh, <clears throat> BYU is the only non-P5 school ranked. Yep. Wow. There are a, a plethora of unranked uh, and yet very good uh, G5 teams headlined by... The Appalachian State Mountaineers. Yep. I think they deserve to be ranked. They've beaten Texas A&M, who is a ranked team. Yep. At I Texas know. A&M. Mm-hmm. I, I don't... Uh, the AP poll doesn't make sense anymore. Like Danny said, it's a dead girlfriend. <laughs> exactly. It is, it is dead to us. You know what's even worse? Not only is BYU the only non-Power 5 team in the top 25, but there are only two non-top... Sorry. There are only two non-Power 5 teams in the receiving votes column. Oof. So total in the top 36 or whatever you want to call it, there's only three non-Power 5 teams, which is absolutely insane. Obviously, that'll change by the end of the year while all the Power 5 teams cannibalize each other. Well, we hope. And there are a few group of 5 teams that will rise to the top, unlike Houston. Houston absolutely sucks doo-doo. Uh, but no, another interesting one to me was shout out to Penn State jumping all the way up eight spots to number fourteen after absolutely housing Brian Harson and the Auburn Tigers. Absolutely, that one was a that was a game. That was that, a game. That was a game. That we'll get to that game. a little bit later. But I am very happy that Penn State is looking like the Penn State of old. One thing I also need to add: uh, Penn State's total vote count six six six. Oh, Oof. that is. Either Wicked. great luck or terrible luck. We so, shall see. Yeah. Yep, that's a, that's a big one. Um, I would like to get in a tweet from our friend Danny. Okay. Not not oh. Dan. Oh, Danny. Danny, Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Uh, yes, Danny Cannell of CBS Sports, I believe. Yep. He tweeted the following. His latest AP Top 25 rankings. Now, each oh, no. word is its own rank. We don't watch every game. Biggest brands get favorable treatment. Don't expect us to ever admit we were wrong in preseason. Insert leftover SEC team. <laughs> that is one of the best tweets ever because it is exactly how the AP poll works. That's yep. so true. They just, big brands, they throw in there at the beginning of the season and then they don't drop them. Uh, even if they lose <clears throat> Miami, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Texas jump into the rankings after losing, um, and then it's just still incredible. It's to me, got to be a first. Hilarious. Right? Wow. Um, and then also they just fill all the holes with SEC schools, right? Texas A and M at twenty three. Ole Miss, Texas A and M. Uh, what's another? Tennessee, Ole Florida. Miss actually did look impressive. Kentucky. Who'd they play? Jackson Dart went off. Who'd they play? I honestly I go by. I forgot who they played, but it was. Is someone bad? Uh, probably. I don't know. They beat. <laughs> da, 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 Great da, podcasting da. as we're uh, researching on air and turning off the AC. Georgia Tech. 
Yeah. There you go. But counterpoint, counterpoint. Week one, they beat Troy, who App State had to beat on a walk-off uh, Hail Mary. Okay. So Troy and Georgia take your big wins. Let's move Ole Miss up to 16 yeah. over BYU, who beat a top-10 Baylor team. Also, counterpoint, uh, they wore powder blue. So Actually, that's a good point. They that's wore powder point, blue. That's, t- that's a top-25 move right there. You'll hear my thoughts on uh, uniforms later. Anyway, Uh-oh. AP top-25 ranks, I don't care. Wait until the college football poll comes out, and then we can actually react to them. That's fair. That is extremely fair. Very fair. Uh, next, in the college football world, we had a little bit of news coming out of uh, my wife's, not alma mater, but her hometown team. Her neck of the woods. Yes, her neck, her of, the neck woods. of the woods. Um, not neck like LSU does necking, though. Oh, um, oh, anyway, oh. if you know, you know. Um, Herm Edwards has been fired. Uh, they lost to Eastern Michigan by yep. nine at home, yep. and it was the final nail in the coffin for Herm. Uh, he was an NFL coach that never adapted to college and yep. never even tried to, so yep. it's not a surprise. Um, in the naming of uh, possible suspects, obviously you get the usuals, and Kalani is included. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think this is a very attractive job. Two coaches who think they can do better, Kalani included. I think ASU with the looming NCAA investigations, uh, there haven't been any like slam dunks. They haven't found anything. But just with that looming over the program, I think this is going to be a full reset for Arizona State. They're going to have to basically go the Arizona route and just hire somebody completely new and kind of work their way up from there. Can I just say, um, shout out to Herm Edwards. You've heard of some coaches getting tarmacked, right? Getting fired on the tarmac, flying back. Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our boy Herm Edwards got fielded. As soon as the game was over, the university president and athletic director, who was his agent in the NFL, might I add, walked up to him and fired him on the field. So uh, shout out to him for that. Uh, one more thing, though. I, I will say this is the perfect, perfect job. For Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen. Think about it. Okay. Dan Mullen was actually an okay coach. Dan Mullen was actually like an okay motivator. The reason he got fired from Florida is that he didn't want to recruit like Alabama and Georgia recruited. They didn't... Florida expected top three recruiting classes. He didn't deliver. Is that what they expect at Arizona State? Not at all. Nowhere close. They don't even expect to be top three in the Pac-12. So, honestly, I think this is a perfect job for Dan Mullen. Uh, I would agree. I think it's a perfect job for Dan Mullen. But from the Arizona State standpoint, I think that's one of the last people you hire. Given Dan Mullen's history with uh, being a low-key horrible human being (laughs) and having a mountain of off-the-field fiascos linked to him, that's the last thing Arizona State needs at this time. I mean, it is the number one party school in the nation. Do they care? It, no, that's the reason. That's, <laughs> that's the reason. You do not want Dan Mullen down there. It's a bad mix. <laughs> you, it's that's just true. like a that's Title true. IX investigation waiting to happen. Oh, gosh. So, uh, but I'm excited to see what happens. I think Arizona State can be oh, good. Goodness gracious. But uh, we'll see. I don't know. I, I don't think we, I think we can all agree there's no way in heck Kalani leaves for this job. Yeah, right? yeah definitely. No. Okay. Uh, and there's no way Kalani's going to Nebraska either. <laughs> they are going to be swinging for the fences. Yeah. Anyway, that's it. Coaching Carousel continues on. Speaking of continues on, 
Uh, <laughs> Dan's on fire today. Killing it with the transitions today. Uh, our long-running segment of... Football is back. Okay. <laughs> Tell and, me why. And maybe the best news of the whole episode, BYU oh. beat Utah in another sport. Let's go! We beat Utah in football. Yes, we beat Utah in proper football, not real football, not real football, uh, but proper football. And this was in women's soccer, who got a win for once. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Shout out. <laughs> much needed. Uh, they won two to one. Yeah. They almost uh, they allowed a goal in like the eighty some minute, and it was one to one. And it was a repeat of the Utah State game, but then they scored again with like a minute left, and it was all okay. Let's go. So, so I think we can officially say that even in our bad years, Utah's still little brother. Or in this case, little sister. Yeah. BYU is Utah's daddy. Very much so. And yep. or, or in this case, mom. Yes. Amen. Uh, okay. Uh, Mommy, big sister, all of the above. Any, any other housekeeping items? Shout out to Real Salt Lake. Uh, they're <laughs> officially out of the playoffs as of right now. They're on a slide. <laughs> um, Gosh, were they like number one in the West for a little we bit? We don't talk about them. <laughs> Yeah, they were they were number two. They're having a historic drought. They, <laughs> they need some changes to be made. That's nice. Um, Are you guys ready to um, for some to talk about something that could put us all in a very depressive mental state and have us calling uh, for BetterHelp.com after this? Oh, what what would that be? I think we have to. On Saturday, Brigham Young University. Took a trip to the Pacific Northwest. Beautiful place. Where they confronted some ducks. Ooh. Ducks from the right. University of Oregon. Who uh, beat the doors off of them 41-20. to 20. And it really wasn't that close. It was not that close. No. BYU scored 13 points at garbage time and was going for another 7 points in garbage time. Just in the absolute like <laughs> oh. po- most poor sport move possible calling timeout that was pretty funny honestly that was pretty hilarious pretty dumb so uh (laughs) we got we got to talk about the game let's talk yep uh that was that was some game um me and justin and my little brother jacob shout out cubs we drove 15 hours on friday um to eugene um that was a good trip though let let me tell you oregon is like 15 percent beautiful yeah. The other eighty five percent is like literally Iowa. Yeah. It it's not it's not great. But once we got there it was very pretty. We camped, it was great, blah blah yada yada yada. Nice, nice. We also had to drive fifteen hours back on Sunday and all of that to watch BYU completely just not show up. I swear only two people showed up to the game and it was Jaron Hall and the offensive line. That mm-hmm. and the offensive line in the past game. In the past game. Yep. In, in, Good distinction. Good in the distinction. past game. Yes. Um, my gut reaction during this game, I think I said it about a hundred million times. This is the worst BLU football game I've ever watched. Me and Jacob agreed it was worse than the fifty-two or fifty-four to ten drubbing at home versus Utah. Ooh. It was worse than that. I have never seen oh, our man. team come out so flat. So unprepared, we looked like we were still asleep until the fourth quarter. It it was pretty bad. It was very, very demoralizing to watch and just be like, 
I just drove 30 hours so I could see this. It was it was something. Yeah, you might say we laid an egg mm. <laughs> in the first half of this game, especially. Yes. A duck egg, even. Um, and I'm not really one to, like... I don't know how to say I don't, like, give up on games after, like, you know, one series or whatever. I usually don't leave games early. But in this one, I knew... <laughs> Even at halftime, I was like, okay, we had a bad half. If we just swap it and have as good a half as they did and make them mm-hmm. have a bad half, we're in it. But, you know, a few minutes into the second half, I knew that there's no way we were winning this game. It was just a horrible, horrible game. Yeah. It was disgusting. In the words of uh, Logic. I don't want to be alive. I don't want to be alive. Yeah, honestly, I think that wraps up my emotions pretty well here. Um, no, no, anyway. Like Jared was saying, it was a good trip, at least. You know, the drive there was fun. Uh, we ate some big freaking pancakes and had the best pizza I've ever had in my entire life. True. Mm. Bend, like, Oregon, Old Town Pizza. If Bend, you're there, Oregon. Bend, Oregon. It or. was fantastic. Literally, <laughs> like, fresh garlic on the pizza. It was absolutely incredible. It was just pepperoni, nothing special, but it was absolutely delicious. It also took them 45 minutes to get us our food, mm. but it was worth it. It was definitely worth it. All right, all right. Uh, Jared, Jacob, and I get there. We have our randomly assigned seats from the BYU section. Our backs are literally up against the concrete wall at the very top. <laughs> so that was kind of uh, fun. Classic. Um, it got out of hand very quickly. Uh, luckily, uh, we were able to just meme our way through the game, chanting random things, chanting onside kick after every time that we got to kick the ball. Which not uh, a lot, by the way. <laughs> there was chanting not a lot of wheel route. Uh, screaming, go for the knees. Go for two. Go for two on everything. So we were able to meme it a little bit, so that was kind of fun. But uh, one thing I do want to touch on before we talk about the game recap is Jared and I had the chance to firsthand see Oregon's football facilities. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. How Jared. How was that? If BYU, or sorry, on a grade scale, right? Okay. Let's say Oregon's an A+. Okay. Where does BYU fall on that same grade scale? Uh, dropout hippie that's dead in the ditch on the side of the road. Yeah. It was jaw-dropping. The mm-hmm. The facilities for the athletics department was probably, like, the nicest, most, like, biggest investment into anything I've ever seen. It was, wow. it was, in, like, that's I, awesome. you can't comprehend it. Like, their football meeting room place was as big as the entire Wilkinson Center. Yeah. And it was just their football building. Yeah. Like, I I don't know how to explain it. It was it was jaw-dropping, the amount of money that has been poured into that program. Shout out to that one drunk Oregon fan that we talked to on the bridge crossing, you know, because you have to cross a river to get to the game, who thanked Daddy Phil, mm-hmm. in his words, for the football facilities mm-hmm. and told us that Phil Knight is Oregon's Jesus. Yes. Daddy Phil. <laughs> Daddy <laughs> Phil is Oregon's Jesus. Uh, so let's talk about the game. Uh, oh, wait, exactly? last, oh, last sorry, thing sorry, Jared, Oregon does not deserve those facilities. No. It is, as, as mind-boggling as the facilities are, it is even more mind-boggling. One, the atmosphere and the game presentation sucked. It was bad. It did not fit the, the tangible. Like, every, all the money, all the stuff that money could buy to make it a good experience was there. 
but the announcer sounded high. Oh, the, the announcer was awful. The hype video was like 18 and a half minutes long. Puddles had more hype than the entire Oregon team. The crowd was flat. The loudest they got was in between the third and fourth quarters when they sang shout and like threw their hands up after clapping. Like their third down is just everybody stands up and goes like this. That's it. It was it was probably like one of the worst game atmosphere. Maybe it wasn't that bad. Maybe it was just bad because we had seen the facilities and we were expecting something to blow the doors off, right? Utah State, and I'm being honest, Utah State had a better, not facilities, but game day atmosphere and presentation than Oregon did. We do have to provide a little bit of context, though. Oregon's fans, or sorry, Oregon students are still not on campus. True, true. So maybe true. it would be different if we were, say, in the middle of Pac-12 play, and you know a ranked Utah team was coming in to play a ranked Oregon or something like that. True, could have been completely different. True, but I'm talking about more than just the crowd. Yes, the, the crowd could have been more into it. It was everything about the game and and the the event staff, the whole show they put on was terrible. Anyway, secondly, fair. fair. Um, Oregon does not deserve those facilities one bit. It, mm-hmm. How do you not have any national championships when there's that much money poured into it? Like, you have to try to not win yeah. at Oregon. You have to try to be bad. It is, there's no way they should be second to anyone. Okay? In, you know, at the very least, they should be top 10 every single year competing for a playoff spot. And it just, it doesn't happen. I don't. Maybe you need to take it all away and make them work for it. Maybe that's what... It was yeah. just... It's crazy to see how much they have, and they've had it for 10 years, whatever it is, and just zero results. Complacency, baby. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. we can talk about the game now. Sorry, I'm done with my little rant about Oregon. That's um, okay. Uh, Dan, you had more of a bird's-eye view as you were watching mm, on television. Well, actually, ours was pretty close to bird's eye. Pretty close to bird's eye. <laughs> but, uh, Dan, <laughs> you were... Was watching on television and had the privilege of you actually got to see replays. Yes, you actually got to see replays. We didn't get zero replays in stadium. How did it look for you? (coughs) Excuse me. I agree. It was that bad. Um, yeah, it was bad. It was. I mean, I don't know how to describe. It's as if BYU traveled through time, maybe four or five years back. We literally, yep. <laughs> we were literally talking about this four or five years back in Kalani's. I don't know what his worst year was, like 17? 2017. Yeah, 2017 days. And if we had played Oregon then, it wouldn't have been any worse. I feel like nope, <laughs> nope. <laughs> it, it was about as bad as it gets. Um, for one, we forgot how to tackle people. Yep. This is tackle yep. football, mind you. <laughs> not flag, not two-head touch. Oh, my. This is tackle, which is the one thing we could not do. Someone remind defense. the team. Um, in the end, they allow, we allowed 212 rushing yards in this game. Goodness gracious. Now, we were missing two starting D-linemen in Tyler Batty yeah. and True. Earl's two something Mariner. Mariner. <laughs> <laughs> um, which... Yeah, you could tell we were missing them because it was yeah. that bad. Yeah. But on the other end, we only ran for 61 rushing yards. Oh my goodness gracious, straight balls so, of fire. Football involves both running and passing. Mm. Maybe really? our coaches forgot that going in or something. As well as tackling. Don't mind yeah. you, that's also the thing. Yeah, that's true. Tackling in general, running or passing, needs to be done. We couldn't do any of that. And that is why at halftime... 
the score was, what was it, 20? 24-7? 24-7. Should have been 17-7, but we dumbly it, gave them the ball back. Should have been 17-14. Yeah. yeah. It was so dumb. All, so <laughs> all those holding calls, dude. Was, there was... Oh, yeah, there's some bad penalties. Those holding calls were some killers. It, it's funny that you talk about the time machine because Jacob at the game just got back from his mission. This is his first year. He's like, this is the BYU I left when I left on my mission. This is <laughs> this is who I know. Yep. Yes. We are back, baby. He missed it, our two good years. <laughs> it was exactly that. It, I, When it comes down to it, if you're explaining to an alien how to play football, you're going to talk about what Dan just said. You tackle the person with the ball. You can throw the ball to people that are open. And you can run the ball. BYU mm-hmm. did two, one of those. Two of those they just didn't do. And if you're not doing two of the most basic fundamental things on the planet, there's no way you can win a football game. There's no way you can even keep it close. So, so let's talk about this. Obviously, we are not... Collegiate coaches, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm any smarter than Tuiaki or sit here and say that I'm any smarter than A-Rod, but to me, looking back at this game, it seems like we schemed for this game very poorly. Let, let's go back to BYU's first drive, okay? BYU throws a beautiful 35-yard pass to start off the drive. The whole crowd is going crazy, the 7,000 BYU fans that there are in Austin Stadium. There were a lot. Nice. We then follow that up with a short run, a, or sorry, a sack. Short run, and then whatever ended up being, it was like fourth and three, fourth and four. Fourth and six, yeah. Fourth and six, right? We go for it, but what we do is we throw a swing bubble pass to a wide receiver, which I get it. Like, we have good wide receivers, but we are playing against one of the fastest, most athletic teams in the nation. You do not beat them by trying to go outside on them, and you definitely do not beat them by trying to run outside zones on them, which is what we were trying to do in the run game for the entirety of of the game. So I felt like we had schemed a little bit poorly on offense. Not only that, Christopher Brooks, he's a physical specimen, but he's slow to read the holes. And in this in this like option attack, the you know the 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 sorry, the wide zone the attack. Zone. That inside and outside zone attack, you have to be able to read the hole immediately and explode right through it. He's not doing it yet. Maybe he will, but he's not doing it yet. So that contributed to us Going two straight games with less than 100 rushing yards, which is something that I never want to hear ever again from BYU football. Ben Bywater said in an interview that they had schemed for an Oregon zone attack. Sorry, an Oregon spread attack. What they got was an Oregon team that saw that we were running a three-man front and ran nothing but counter plays the entire game. Misdirection, and it ate us alive. We made the adjustment at halftime, 20 million plays later, but even that was not enough to slow down the Ducks. For me, this game um, boils down to want to. I don't think our players wanted to win as badly as Oregon did. I you We can talk scheme all day, and this is just my personal opinion. I don't think it matters what we did on defense or offense. One, our receivers weren't athletic enough to get open. So Oregon could load the box, right? We weren't... Chase Roberts was on his butt the entire game. Um, but that's besides the point. The whole thing is is the defense. It just looked like we weren't trying. We got penalty after penalty. O-line, late hits. Um, 
we weren't tackling at all. We missed a bajillion tackles. I we can talk scheme all day, but at the end of the the at the end of the day, Oregon scored on six straight possessions. And I don't care what you're running, if you don't have pride like that like you need to have some sort of pride to just not let that happen. And you've got to do I I've never felt like this as a fan before when I was at the game watching. I I was not angry at the team or at the coaches or anything. I was just completely disappointed. I I felt like I'd been hung out to dry by this team. We'd driven 15 hours to go see them play. I was so excited. It was the first game that I've gone to as a fan this season, and I was very excited to see this team play. And I just felt like they didn't show up. I just mentally and emotionally... Um, and it was just demoralizing for me. It was very, very sad to see. And I just, I wanted to leave early and we stayed till the end as did almost all the OU fans, right? Yeah. Stayed till the very end. I wanted to leave early, not because I was mad and I just needed to get away from it. See Boise State game last year. Yeah. That, that was, I was very angry. You stormed off of that like instant. (laughs) We're not talking about that. We're not talking about that. But I wanted to leave. I kept asking Justin and Jacob, and Jacob was not leaving in a hundred years. But I wanted to leave because I felt like the team didn't deserve my fandom at that point. I and I've like I said, this is the first time I ever felt like this. It was very, very sad for me. Like it was emotionally taxing to watch my team just not put forth their best effort. And I don't know. Kalani said that they tried really, really hard, but they just didn't tackle. I don't know. It looked like to me that they just weren't trying, and I just. I didn't want to be a fan at that point. I was like, you don't deserve, like, the emotional energy that I put into this game was wasted, and I've never had that feeling before. So it was it was just very depressing. So if you, it, as far as the game breakdown goes, I, I'm not going to offer a lot because I was checked out. I, <laughs> I just saw it in the, in the hustle plays that didn't happen, in the, the tackling, obviously, that's just 100% effort. Everybody on a college football team knows how to tackle. I don't care what level you are. You know how to tackle. That's why you're playing football. And they just weren't doing it. So that that that's my two cents, and, and I'm done. No, I think the perfect example of that is when BYU's d- defense didn't realize that that backwards pass that Oregon threw was a fumble. Exactly. And just let Oregon recover it, which could have been a scoop and six for BYU in a pivotal time. So... Yeah, effort, effort, maybe not effort, but I don't know. It, it did seem like you know that classic like hangover game. It kind of seemed like that. That's just exactly what happened after the Baylor game. That we just you know we weren't we didn't get off the bus. Yeah, and we're now three games into the season. Is it time to start talking about our inability to run the football? That's a really good question, and I'd say yes, but I think we just need to kind of temper our expectations a little bit because we've obviously realized at this point that Christopher Brooks is not Tyler Algier, and I feel like we had an unfair real we had an unfair expectation for Chris Brooks for Chris Brooks that he would put up Tyler Algier numbers when Tyler Algier was a generational talent here at BYU. Katoa's doing okay. Um, we kind of talked about this last week, and I've seen this narrative a lot on Twitter this 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 week. We kind of called it last week that BYU has an elite pass-blocking offensive line, mm-hmm. but we have not been able to get it done in the running game. However, that it's really hard to take those numbers for what they're worth because in the first three games, we dominated USF at the line of scrimmage. In the next two, 
we went up against two of the top defensive fronts in the nation. So it's, it's kind of hard to, to know. It's kind of hard to look at. One thing I would start the question a little bit more that I do think we have enough data points on is uh, BYU's kicking game. Oh, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, Jake the fake old droid. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, baby. Are you out there? Oh, baby. Um, yeah, he missed another uh, kind of a chip shot. Maybe not a chip shot, but... It's like a 41-yarder. He's made up a jillion of those before. Yeah. That exact it, it wasn't. Kick. It wasn't a, a kick that was too difficult for his skill set. Yes. He just is not making kicks right now. Which we're going to have to do something about... Or else the season will go south. The way we're playing, we're going to need field goals. Yeah. We're going to need field goals. Maybe Dan and I should try out. Maybe. We were making those field goals. Yeah. If you give me three tries, I can make it from <laughs> maybe 40. Excuse me. Excuse me. Ref, ref, um, this first one is a warm-up. Yeah. And then I'm going to need two more tries after that. Hey, the Oregon center got a couple of snaps to get the snap right. That's true. Oh. Yeah, the Oregon snapper got, a, was, got a warm-up snap. That was horrible. Rush. I will say this about the rushing game. We were down 38-7 at one point. Like, we yeah. were not in yeah. a place where we could run the ball. We only ran That's the ball true. 24 times or whatever it was. So it's not like we were trying to establish the game. We got down big early and had to run yeah. and had to throw the ball to come back. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, though, like, our leading rusher averaged 2.8 yards per carry, which is not good. Not good. Not good at all. Uh, you know, we need to do a little bit better job in the run game. However, we're talking about all these bad points. I do want to highlight one good thing, Jared. You talked about people not showing up. Let's talk about one person that you already mentioned that for sure did show up, and that was Jaron Hall, who played himself one heck of a game. Yeah, Jaron Hall, I feel like is... I mean, I'd say he's definitely the best player on our team so far mm-hmm. this season. Yeah. He has not had a bad game, and basically everyone else has. <laughs> yep. He's the lone bright spot of this year so far, and he's honestly quite good. I felt so bad for him watching this game because you could see it in Jaron Hall. He was the one uh, like bright spot. He was the light at the end of the tunnel. He was trying so hard. Every play, he was giving it 100%. He was yelling at his guys, trying to get everybody lined up at the end of the game. You know, It looked like our O-line had kind of given up at that point. And obviously, I don't know, they're, you know, the stamina at the end of the game. They've been playing hard all game. But Jaron Hall was pushing the throw he made to Keanu Hill, he's sprinting out to the left, which if he's right-handed, that's the wrong side you want to roll him out to. He's forced out of the pocket, rolling out full sprint. The or- There's three Oregon guys on his tail, and he twists his body at, at a full sprint across his body, throws the ball backwards across the field to a wide-open Keanu Hill on a dime. It was a laser. It was on the money. That's when I converted from a Jaron Hall Saul to a Jaron oh, Hall Paul. It's official. I am officially on the Jaron Hall bandwagon. Hallelujah. He not only has the arm and the vision and the patience and the IQ, but he has that emotional want to that I didn't see from BYU. And so that even made me attached to him more. I'm, I, I'm really liking what Jaron Hall is doing this year, which means he's probably going to get injured at some point. Oh, no. Dan, you were a Jaron Hall doubting Thomas. Where do you find yourself now? I've seen Jaron Hall in his complete form, and I fully believe <laughs> in his gospel. We are believers in the Jaron Hall gospel on this 
podcast. So after watching this game, what is your updated evaluation on this team? Or let's start out with a more broad question at first. We are now two and one. What is our ceiling record-wise for the rest of the season? Hmm. I'm gonna say it. I think our ceiling is winning out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I like it. I think I would rather win this game against Oregon, but I've said this before, like any loss, it will reveal many areas of improvement. Yeah. That for is our team. one million percent. It true. did yeah. that very effectively yes, it did. <laughs> on Saturday. And I don't think we're a bad team. I think um, once we get Gunnar and Puka back, we can be a very elite passing team. Yeah. Our O-line is great with passing. Our quarterback is great. Our receivers will be great, hopefully. And if we can figure out a decent run game, you know, to keep defenses honest, we can have a very good offense. Absolutely. Our defense, I'm still not sure about. They won't be as good as our offense, I'll say. But looking at our schedule, the hardest games look like Notre Dame and Arkansas. I think if our defense can step up and play more like they did against Baylor, then we can win out. Mm-hmm. Will that happen? I don't know, but I think it's possible. Yeah. Um, I had a come to Jesus moment. Okay. Also, I had that come to Jaren moment. I just told you come about to come to Jaren. Okay. Now I had a come to Jesus moment. Faithful man. I have been taking BYU football um, not too seriously, but I've been invested much, much more in what they can be instead of what they are. Okay. okay. I think I've been placing unrealistic on expectations on BYU football. I I've see. expected uh, 10 win seasons, uh, right? Growing up, that was the expectation. If you didn't win 10 games, you were a failure. Um, and now with these last two years, I thought we were back to the Max Hall era, at least. Um and I think I kind of took it all for granted. Um, college football is about winning games. Yeah. All, the most I can hope for or think about is going 1-0 each week. I will now be happy with a win. I At, at the baseline, a win is a win is a win. If yep. you win the game, you are not a loser. You are a winner. I don't care if we beat Utah Tech by half a point. We won the game. So my adjusted expectations for this team are let's go beat Wyoming. And that's okay. that's really all I have room in my heart for now. Obviously, as you guys hear, I'm like very emotional right now. Yeah. I'm like welling up in tears <laughs> almost. I, I've been severely hurt by this BYU football team. And so now I'm just going back to square one. Let's just win one game. That's That's all I can take right now. Find joy in the journey. That's good stuff. Don't focus too much on the end goal. Wisdom. My expected expectation, I, I honestly think if there was any game to lose, this was the right game to lose. If you had to lose one on this schedule. Notre Dame is an absolute dumpster fire this year. Utah State lost to an FCS school. Arkansas struggled against an FCS school and will you know, we'll lose a couple games in SEC play. We'll get to them later. Then there. we got a little bit of nothing left on the schedule. You know, you don't want to lose at Boise State. If there was a game to lose... Hopefully, Oregon now wins out, goes 12-1, and one, and wins the Pac-12 championship. That would be a best-case scenario for BYU, who then goes and wins out and can still make the top 12 as an 11-1 team. I think 9-3 and three is our floor. 11-1 and one is our ceiling. I do think we will end up around 10-2. and two. Yeah. 
Uh, I would like that. Can I just add? Yeah. Yeah. I think Oregon looked really good this game. They did. And we made them look good. They were ranked 25 at the time. I think they're definitely better than that. Yeah. Bo Nix, unfortunately, we made him look good. We made him look good. <laughs> Isn't that classic BYU, though? Bo Nix, yeah. oh, back to six years ago, right? Yeah. Our calling card was making backup quarterbacks and bad quarterbacks look like Heisman frontrunners. And that's yeah. exactly what we did. Bo Nix at home, baby. Yeah. Can't discount him. If Bo Nix can be consistent, then Oregon can be a great team this year, and this loss will not be so bad as time passes. Yeah. Uh, of course, we're talking all about how bad BYU did. Let's, like Danny said, give credit to Oregon. Yeah. They exposed mm-hmm. our weaknesses and ran up the score. It was like... and. Let's put it this way. Ohio State beat Michigan 49-7 to last year, right? Michigan State was a top-10 team that year. They won the Peach Bowl, right? They were a very good team. Matchups makes fights, and Ohio State attacked Michigan State in the way that they could not support it. And I think that's exactly what Oregon did to BYU. Yep. They yep. exploited our weakness to the ends of the earth. And so <laughs> if you play that game again, you would hope it's, it's, way more close, it's way closer than that. But just because of that matchup and Oregon's... And, and Bo Nix is like Danny said, his ability to take advantage of our weaknesses, that's why the score was so one sided. Yeah. All right, fair enough. At least we did get one moral victory in the game. Uh, in the fourth quarter, after forcing a pick from their backup quarterback, we forced uh, Oregon to put Bo Nix back in the game. Yeah. And then they went on an eight and a half, <laughs> uh, eight and a half minute drive, kicked a field goal, and <laughs> there went the air out of the balloon. So let's put some air back into the balloon. Ooh. Let's stop talking about BYU. Let's talk. Let's bring a little bit more energy, and let's talk about week three of college football because it did provide us with some great content. Yeah, the, this is like what I took solace in after the game. We went to a couple different bars and we're watching some football games. Seeing Ohio State plaster Toledo with seventy-seven points. Oh baby, that like <laughs> brought me back. Where I'm like, hey, oh baby. At the end of the day, college football is college football. You're gonna win some. You're gonna lose some, and. If you just enjoy this the sport objectively, you can never lose. You can never lose. And speaking of losing, let's see who our big time losers are in this week's fastest fifteen. Oh, a siren! We start out our fastest fifteen journey in Kenanaki where some politically incorrect mascots were hunting for some weird red birds. Malik, I can't throw a pass to save my life, but I'm faster than anyone else on the field. Cunningham did his best to keep those weird red birds flying, but the politically incorrect mascots of Florida State threw their politically incorrect weapon of choice, bringing down the birdies with a 35-31 victory. Florida State is now 3-0. And they're not ranked? Uh, we had two urine bombs central, where the PP poo poo went butt to head with the Space Force Falcone crime families. Disgusting. In a strange turn of events, the cow dookies were the ones flushing the toilet, sending the troops down the drain with only 170 rushing yards. And a 17 to 14. L. Craig's Toilet Bowl and Andro Pizzolotli head to Provo this weekend seeking another certified whack win against the BYU Cougars. Next, we follow the Great Emancipator to Lincoln, Nebraska, where the Boomer Sooners of Oklahoma came looking for some freedom. Freedom! Their offensive coordinator found plenty of it, 
because he could call whatever the heck play he wanted and gain dozens of yards every time. I love to see it, boom. The grass is not greener for Nebraska without Scott Frost, as Oklahoma outgained them 580 to 327. <laughs> and got a win, 49 to 14. <laughs> we take a trip to the school named after a fruit, where the fighting Thomas the Trains of Purdue were facing off with some oranges. Robert and I tried to bring some of his offensive magic to the field, but was shut down quicker than the captain of the chess team attempting to ask the cheer captain out to palm. Too soon, boom. Oh, luckily they were playing a school from the Big Ten West, a division that is completely and entirely incompetent when it comes to scoring points. Sean Tucker was not pleased by his performance, as stated on his Twitter, but the Fighting Orange take home the victory regardless, 32-29. to Meanwhile, at Jordan Bunny Rabbit Stadium, Still makes absolutely no sense. Not at all, Boom. The essence of Dittany Lions turned Raja into a kitty cat faster than you can whip up a false allegation against Brian Harson. That's Ooh. quick, Boom. Jolly old St. Nicholas Singleton absolutely clowned the brownish-reddish, orangish defense for 124 yards and two diddlies on only 10 carries. Damn! State Penn incarcerates Auburn 41-12. to 12. In a matchup you'd be more familiar seeing in March, Kansas traveled to Houston, this time to face off on the gridiron. <gasps> Kansas QB Jalen Daniels proved he could do more than just throw just like Kansas is now more than a basketball school, ooh, ooh. as he rushed for 123 yards and two touchdowns. Ooh. The Jayhawks, who currently sit atop the Big 12, <laughs> yes, in football, <laughs> get the victory 48 to 30. What is going on, Boom? We head to the Pacific very northwest, not that cesspool of a state directly north of California, where the Spartans were hoping to ride a husky dog sled to victory. The Huskies had another idea, flipping Sparty over like an oversized pancake, burying them further in the snow than Captain America after his plane crash. <laughs> Washington whipped out its Phoenix, oh. Michael Phoenix that is, and marked Michigan State as its territory, <laughs> defeating the Spartans 39 to 28. Tuck coming, more like Tuck coming for that buyout. Ooh. And on to the next wildly overrated team, damn Gators. Them Florida Gators got bullied all around that their feet on Saturday. Aunt Horny Richardson had erectile dysfunction as he only completed 10 passes and threw two pickles. But alas, Southern Florida stumbled and bumbled and fumbled two snaps in a row, leading to a shake and a 31-28 ale. Arkansas put the claps on FCS for Missouri State. Just like Alex Barcello, after slapping the floor on defense, in his prime that is, <laughs> they only gave up 52 rushing yards. The Bears of Missouri, which is indeed a state, mm -hmm. did their best with the passing game, but the Razorbacks tore them apart like they ambushed them while they were hibernating, oh. averaging 8.9 yards per play, that oh, is, wow. on the way to a 38-27 victory. Next up, we check out the only school in the nation capable of making BYU's honor code look progressive. <laughs> Liberty, who was taken on a forest that was arguably awake. Sam Hartman played with his food more than a baby with a sausage rope, allowing give me Liberty or give me death to hang around late. Liberty scored in the final minutes and went for the jugular, but could only punch as hard as Rod, pre-mustache, and Hot Rod, missing the jugular 
and breaking his own hand in the process. The only thing that could have made this game better is if it was Wake's pride game. <laughs> Wake Forest wins it 37-36. We head to King's Cross College Station, where even a muggle could have seen this one coming. The battle of college football's best Gilderoy Lockhart was almost as exciting as Professor Bin's class. Oof. In the end, the Bimbo Fiska's Butterfinger charm Durham strangled the Miami wideout into dropping more passes than Fred and George dropped Dunn bombs. Oh my. In what would have been a much more interesting Quidditch match, Tamu wins 17 to nine. Cheerio. In a blockbuster matchup, UCLA played down to the wire against Alabama. Oh, wait, what's that? South Alabama. Oh, oh, okay. That's right, the South Alabama Jaguars prowled through the defenders and chased the Bruins into the woods and up a tree. But in UCLA quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson Jensen Nelson Davidson's last stand, UCLA eked out a win, 32 to 31. Wow. We head to a city that has probably sold out of alcohol for the past two weeks straight. Boom! North Carolina, where the Walgreens brand contraceptive Troy University Trojans took on some bearded mountain men just searching for their next high. The Mountaineers took the hard drug of a Hail Mary, chucking a ball up higher than the entire crowd combined. What looked like an absolute heartbreak turned into a city-closing rave as an App State receiver caught the ball off the rebound and ran it for the game-winning Tudley. America's team, otherwise known as Appalachian State, wins at 32-28, leading to the biggest jigging dance in App State history. Where are we going next? Ah, yes, to the great state of Arizona. Tempe was tempeeing blood. <laughs> after the directional Michigans of the East came in ready for a Pac-12 after dark meets mashing classic, mm -hmm. the Eagles' Samson Evans ran all over. The Solar Lucifer's defense are 248 yards and a forbidden fruit. Not only did the emus come in and beat Sparky's ashes 30 to 21, but they also did ass you the mighty grand favor of getting Herm. You play to win a you play to win the game, except not in college, because I'm a stick in the mud old NFL coach. Edwards fire. It's about time, boom. Finally, we head down to Tucson, where what team? Wildcats. Wildcats. Welcome FCS Wildcats. powerhouse, North Dakota State to town. The Bison put up a tough fight, thundering their way to outgame Arizona, despite only attempting 12 passes. <laughs> That's like Justin Fields' numbers. Oh. <laughs> However, Jaden Power DeLaura did just enough to prevent Arizona from taking two massive L's this week. As what team? Wildcats Wild got the win, 31 to 28. Wildcats. What team? Wildcats. Wildcats. <laughs> oh man, that's that's good. The uh, energy is back in the show, baby. Yes. Let's what get a, it. What a wild weekend of college football. That was insane. I wish we hadn't been so hungover that we couldn't enjoy it. Um, <laughs> on Dr Pepper, that is. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, all the Mountain Dew, oh, fat L, dude. That was awesome when we walk into B-dubs, everybody there is drunk, and then we sit down, and it's like, what are you guys be having to drink? We're like, Mountain Dew, Root Beer, and Dr. Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> Egg, yeah, baby. Hilarious. That was awesome. Uh, anyway, wild weekend. Let's go over the picks real quick. Uh, it was a good week for Justin, an okay week for Dan, and a bad yeah. week for Jared. Uh, my principles did not help me. Uh, <laughs> Justin went 6-4, and four, Dan 5-5. Five and five. And I did go four and six, which is yes, under five hundred. 
fans, you're with me. Four and six, we can take some heart in that. Uh, overall, we have a clear one, a clear two, and a clear three, all separated by three games. Yeah. Look at that. How neat. Dan, you in the lead, 26 to 11. Justin, 23-14 in second place. Me, 20 and 17 in last place. Yep. Uh, thoughts about how the picks are going this year? I've had one good week, and the rest are less good. But good enough so far, I wouldn't expect to end on top, but maybe I will. Okay. I'm pretty pumped uh, looking at it. You know, if you don't look at the conglomerated record and instead only look at it on a week-by-week basis, I have won two out of the three weeks. So that puts me number one in my own rankings. But okay. obviously in the rankings that are internationally recognized by the Royal Strong and True listeners, I am in second place. But uh, yeah, I'm going to hang my head high and I'm going to complete this comeback. Uh, no offense, Dan. I love you, but I'm coming for you. We'll see about that. <laughs> uh, as for me, this is why I don't bet on sports. That's it. Um, okay, next. Uh, <laughs> we have some bullet fire breakdowns coming. I have a couple questions I'm going to ask you guys. We'll talk about it real quick. Um, I want to get you guys' thoughts on these things. Yes, sir. First, Penn State, 41-12 to over Auburn at Jordan-Hare. Is Penn State back? They have a running back, so that means yes. No, because they played Auburn. <laughs> fair, fair point. Fair point. <laughs> Those are both very fair points. I freaking love KJ Singleton. He is or Nick Singleton. He is an animal. Um, the Pac-10 are they back? We had Oregon beating BYU. Not that hard, it seems. Uh, next, you had Washington beating the crap out of Sparty at home. Sparty may or may not have been overrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then USC handling Jake Hayner and the Fresno State Bulldogs. Jake Hayner did leave in the third quarter with an injury. But is the Pac-10 back? Do they have three schools that can compete for maybe a playoff spot? Hmm? Uh, no. Not a playoff spot. Okay. But until USC and UCLA, UCLA leave, they're, they can be maybe considered a Power 5 conference. So just Dan, Dan is still calling them a Power 5 conference for now. That's high yes. praise. If that's, if that's back to you, then yeah, they're back. I say the Pac-12 is back as a relevant conference. Do I think they will have a playoff contender? No, I do not because I think USC's defense sucks nugs. But don't discount Washington State who beat Wisconsin at home, at Wisconsin. In Madison. Beat Wisconsin in Madison 17-14. They're three and zero. They play Oregon at home this week. Another team to wow. look out for: Oregon State, three and zero. They play USC on the Pac-12 Network. So be following that on your ESPN app. Yeah, you won't be able to watch them. Stream East Ohio. <laughs> um, I I think the Pac-10 is on the road to being back. Okay. I don't think they're yeah. back. I think we need to see more because if they cannibalize each other again and the winner is nine and three, it's over. That's if, the problem for me. I could if see that one, happening. If one team can rise above Oregon State, that's my pick. If one team can rise above it all, then then they're back. But as as a conglomerate whole, I think they're they have respectable teams now, which you couldn't say a couple years ago. That's the problem for me. There are too many good teams in the Pac-12, and they will all cannibalize each other. Not one of those being from a state called Utah. Exactly. Um, Oregon thoughts. Last kind of thoughts on Oregon. Are they as good as they looked against BYU? Or I, Because everybody took them when they lost to Georgia by so much. Everybody said they were dead in the water. Then they come up 
They come out and do the exact same thing to BYU. Where does Oregon fall? Are they good? Are they bad? What's up? I think they're good. Yeah. As long as Bo Nix doesn't turn into Bo Picks or Bo Hicks, Oregon is good. Maybe the best team in the Pac-12. Ooh, okay. With that qualifier. With the qualifier. Justin, do you agree? Jury's still out for me, but I do think they are a top two team in the Pac-12 at the very least. Okay, yeah. I, I think as a whole, top 15, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Top yeah. 15 in the country. I agree with that. Texas, are they officially back? They no. just beat UTSA. This no. is generally when they have a nut- letdown game. No. Justin says no. no. Danny, what do you think? I think they're making more progress than they have for the past, I don't know, 10 years. Since BYU beat them? Yeah. Yeah. The curse? (laughs) So they're on their way, I would say. I I agree. I think we'll see what happens in Big 12 play. A lot of good Big 12 teams. But so far, they've looked better than I would expect. Yes. I must say. I I was going to say the exact same thing. They've made more progress this year than they have in the last... 15 years. So, that's a step. Are they back, though? No. No. They struggled <laughs> against UTSA. They are going to struggle against the Pac-12. I, sorry, against the Big 12. I think that this is, at best, a 5-4, and 6-3 and three Big 12 season for them. Wow. Okay. All right. Uh, let's watch that. Speaking of the Big 12. See, Dan, that's how you do a transition there. Nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the top we're... we're are talking now about the best team in the Big 12. Yep. Kansas. Yep. Oh, yeah. What is Kansas's actual ceiling? Because I know everybody's buying into them, right? We want to buy into them. We want to say Kansas. But, you know, feet to the fire. How many games will Kansas win in the Big 12? They've already beaten West Virginia. They've already won one. So that's... uh, How many more? Can we, can we just talk about how Kansas and Duke are playing each other this week and they're both 3-0? Yeah. <laughs> and college game is not going I there? I was just about to say. That's pretty wild. Um, yeah, we'll see against Duke. That's kind of a, a blue blood matchup, mm. if you will. I think if Kansas can win that, then they might be pretty frisky in Big 12 play. They're not going to win the conference. They probably won't be top three. No. But they'll be much better than... The laughingstock football team they have been known as in the past. Absolutely. Two Big 12 wins is possible. Three, uh, sorry, two Big 12 wins is probable. Three Big 12 wins is possible. Is that including West Virginia? That is including West Virginia. So one or two more? I do think that they'll be able to get Iowa State, maybe TCU, or Texas Tech. So three total is their ceiling, I think, for Big 12 wins. I think they'll be right in the middle of the mix. I think the Big 12 top to bottom is a very competitive conference. I think Kansas will not be the bottom. Do they go bowling? Mm. All they need is th- three more wins. Three they'll wins. they'll beat Duke. I, I think they'll beat Duke. I think they go bowling. I think they go bowling. I think they can definitely win three two more games. wins. Do they go bowling? Uh, I think they will not go bowling. Okay. Okay. I'm kind of with you. Five and seven. Yeah. Okay. Five, I think five and seven. As far as Kansas is concerned, that's huge for yeah. them. Five games. Actually sniffing a bowl? That's wild. All right, next one. Was Scott Frost actually Nebraska's Snape? Yes. Um, Yeah, he was. Now that he's gone, I think the rail... It's completely off the rails now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Will Nebraska recover at all this season? No. It only gets worse until one of the greatest human beings of all time, greatest coaches, greatest leaders, 
of, of Graves men. mentors Urban Meyer Ooh. gets hired as their new coach. Dude, what a good example that guy. Is. <laughs> How about Bronco Mendenhall? Could be. Hmm. I I think he he'd fit. He wouldn't be very sexy. That's no, not, it's not certainly a, not. It's not a slight on his handsomeity. I would never describe him as sexy. <laughs> he did a great job at BYU. Brought Virginia back to relevance, taking them to an ACC title game. Yeah. yeah. That let us not forget. I don't think Bronco is the guy, but he could be the guy that you use to get to the guy. Okay. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he could span the next six years until you are like, okay, we're going eight and four every season. It's actually time to take the next step. All right. Uh, next one. Who will be the G5's representative in the New Year's Six Bowls? App State. App State? I don't think it'll even be App State. Oh. oh. I think they're going to fade a little bit. Oh, no. Dan is fading. He's, on, he's not on America's team. Too much team. booze. I, I have been enjoying it so far. I've been loving every second of it, but I think they're going to fade. So, so who is it? In, yes, you have to give us a representative instead. Uh, if you say Coastal Carolina, I'm punching you out the There are not many other good options this year, I feel like. Honestly, there's not. There's not. Like at, last at year, there was a lot. Square. Last yeah. year, we had a lot of good ranked G5 teams. I don't know who that will be yet. That's a good question. If you had to throw one name out. If I had to throw one out. Mine would have been Air Force, but definitely not. Yeah. Not, not Utah State, not San no. Diego State. No. no. I don't even know. James I mean, Madison. Cincy again? UCF is not looking that great. Uh, UCF. UCF. Cincy. Cincy. They yeah, struggled not too against Miami, Cincy. Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of maybe it'll be BYU. <laughs> they just like lump them in. Yeah. I don't know. That's a. It's a good question. I think that's something we got to keep our eye on. Who will be the G five rep? Uh, do we need to watch out for Liberty? They took Wake Forest to the buzzer. Almost beat them. Probably should have beat them if they're wide receiver. Has ever literally played NCAA 14 in his life. You know, you never use the juke button. You always go straight ahead and get as many yards as possible. Um, Should have gotten that two-point conversion to beat Wake Forest. Is Liberty a trap game for us? Do we need to watch out for that one? No, Wake Forest just sucks. Okay. Wake Forest <laughs> is bad. Like, they they will not be in the top 25 alone. Okay. I'm not too worried about Liberty. No. Okay. I worry about Liberty... For the same reason I'm worried about the Oregon game and it came completely to fruition, it's BYU that worries me. Yep. Coming off of a home win against Arkansas, going to mm-hmm. Liberty, I, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Moving on. What the freaking nuts happened to Arkansas? They probably should have lost that game, if we're being honest. Yeah. They had a breakaway run that was a lot like an Oregon run, you know, eight broken tackles. Yeah. Um, and then they had a punt return. And they only won by 11 points. Yep. So it's not like they were beating the crap out of them the whole time. Does that say more about Missouri State's preparation? Does that say Arkansas wasn't prepared? Mm. Is Arkansas gettable? Because before that, first two games Arkansas played, they looked like a top 10 team. They looked mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic. Oh, they look good. So how are we feeling about Arkansas? It, is this an outlier, or mm. like they said on BYU Sports Nation yesterday, anomaly or trend? Um, I think Arkansas is definitely not a top ten team. Okay. Okay. Maybe a top twenty five team. Maybe. So you're a lot a lot lower on them now. Yeah, I mean they played South Carolina and Cincinnati so far. I'm not too high on either of those teams. <laughs> and then Missouri State, they struggled against. I think if our coaches are know what they're doing, we should have no trouble beating Arkansas. 
I like the qualifier, Dan. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not so <laughs> sure about that, but you know, if we had a, a competent coaching staff, we should be able to find a win pretty easily. Yeah. Fair enough. I, honestly, I think Arkansas was looking ahead. You know, obviously they have a big game this week, but um, it all—it was also a fact that Bobby Petrino is the head coach of of Missouri State, and he he knows Arkansas. He's been with Arkansas. I think he just knew just a couple plays that would keep Arkansas on their on their hind legs. He ran them. He ran them over and over and over and over and over again, and it worked. But then the wheels kind of fell off eventually when their defense just could not contain Arkansas' speed. So I will say Arkansas. It should probably be downgraded to probably the fourth best team in the SEC West. Interesting. Okay. Which is still really good. It still still pretty good. But yeah. Um, for me, I had been sharpening in an L against Arkansas. Especially after the Oregon game. I sharpied in that L real quick. Mm-hmm. But after this performance, I've downgraded it from Sharpie to pen. Oh, so it's pen. only a pen L now. Okay. So okay. It's like, I got my eye on you. That's me with Arkansas. They play Mississippi State, Texas A&M, and Alabama in the next three games before BYU. That's going to be very telling. Yep. All right. Uh, two more questions. Worst contract extension, Jimbo Fisher or Mel Tucker? Mel Tucker, dude. At least Jimbo Fisher recruits well. Mel Tucker recruits all right. But Mel, honestly, dude, Mel Tucker had never done anything significant at Michigan State, and they gave him that huge, massive contract extension after he beat Michigan just so that he could follow it up by getting it, the doors blown off by Washington Mel Tucker sucks yeah I mean Jimbo I feel like is underperforming still I would say sure yeah maybe some hot seat talk there better at be. the end of the season there better be we'll see but yeah Mel Tucker I think is definitely not being as successful as Jimbo so that's probably a worse extension. Although, how much is Jimbo making? Oh, Jimbo is making a butthole ton of money. I think yep. Jimbo is probably more overpaid than Mel Tucker is overpaid. So maybe that's the answer. But yeah, See, Jimbo what? Fisher is currently making. Uh, it's almost a hundred million dollars. Yeah, in this new contract. Oh, now let me tell you, ninety-five point six million. Let me tell you this. That's a lot of money. I'm going to say Jimbo Fisher, <laughs> and for this reason. Mel Tucker's buyout, currently, $2 million. Take a wild stab at Jimbo Fisher's buyout. Oh, it's like 50% of his contract or something like that, isn't it? It is $85 million. $85 million? I don't care who you are. There is no way you can... Like, we're talking about Scott Frost at Nebraska getting paid 15. Times that by, like, 10. Yeah. Or seven, whatever the frick it is. I don't know math on air. Um, $85 million. You're not getting rid of Jimbo Fisher. You're literally stuck with him for 10 years. Wow. That, in my opinion, that makes it worse because you can't move on from him. You just have to yeah. You have to sit and just <laughs> let him go eight and four for 10 years before you can get rid of him. Mel Tucker's contract, also $95 million. Wow. That's a lot. Next and last question. Is Florida bad? Yep. Mm, yeah, they're pretty bad. I, I agree. I, I mean, last year they were bad. I think this year they're also bad. <laughs> kind of same thing. Which makes Utah <laughs> awful, right? Yeah. Utah <laughs> yes. got exposed. Yeah. The I, Nothing about Florida. Like, the Florida that showed up to the Utah game, 
was either a Florida team that very much outmatched a Utah team or one of the quickest flashes in the pan we've ever seen. Because Anthony Richardson has looked terrible in the last couple of weeks. So, yeah. uh, after that, are there any parting thoughts about college football before we end the episode? That was my bullet fire breakdowns. Uh, we went a little long today. I'm sorry, everybody, but thank you for listening. Uh, but before we go, any parting thoughts for our listeners? Any shout-outs? We're only three weeks in. True. Three weeks in. Let's keep enjoying the ride. That's a good point, Dan. I like that. That's, that's good. Put it in perspective, yeah. right? There's plenty of football still to be played. The season did not end on Saturday. Did BYU's postseason hopes end on Saturday? Absolutely. But did the season itself end? No. That's my note. College football is a beautiful, beautiful thing to be on. Just because you fell out of your BYU seat... Do not let it do not let it make you fall off the college football train. Absolutely. Stay on the train even if you're just sitting on the floor. That's, that's, it that's, is one heck of a ride. That's well said. imagery that we need to make a mural of. In some obscure place on BOU campus, there needs to be like a crying BOU fan on the seat, but then there's all these college football fans. Like there's an App State fan and <laughs> a South Florida fan. And all these people just Helping you up, just be like, hey, it's still college football, bro. There's still happiness that abounds. That's that's where I'm at, absolutely. Is I'm rolling around on the floor with like all the old thrown away paper towels and the vomit on the subway and that's where I am right now, but all the college football fans are lifting me up saying, Hey, enjoy the sport as a whole. I think that's a good note to end on, right? Very good note. And on that bombshell. Thank you everyone for joining us for this episode of the Royal Strong and True Podcast. We are happy and sad that we got to share this episode with you today. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. Download the episode and share it with your friends. Make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter at Loyal2RoyalPod. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you later. Thank you. Tune in next time for a preview of BYU versus the Wyoming Pee Pee Poopy Pants. And a college football week four preview. We love you. Ah! <laughs>